Well, welcome to Spotty on Shares, everyone. Your program covering the main market news of the days. And, of course, we're answering your questions on the show as well uh, with our resident chief spotter. And we do that every Monday through to Wednesday. Uh, we also encourage you to go to our website, spotty.com.au, to see which guests are appearing on the show next so that you can ask them uh, questions that are appropriate to their area of expertise. And then when you find that person, how do you ask the question? Well, you can text us, 0480 uh, 079089 is the text number, or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. That's question without the S at spotty.com.au. So let's bring in today's chief spotter. And uh, according to his social feeds, he's also a budding crypto expert as well. It's Ron Shamgar from Tamam Asset Management. G'day, Ron. How are you doing? Hey, Leo. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, very well. Thank you very well. Look, the good news is we've got crypto covered on the uh, uh, Ticker News <laughs> station. They just love the stuff here. And yes, Mike producing my show is also a big fan. But why don't we stick to the good old uh, boring stocks, which is where we uh, cut our teeth, of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your investing style? And then uh, more importantly, how you help investors every single day at Tamam Asset Management. Yeah, sure. Well, um uh, at Tamil Asset Management, we're a boutique um, investment house in Sydney. Uh, we do property, uh, Aussie equities, international equities, and credit funds. Uh, I'm the head of Aussie equities, so I run two funds for them, mainly the old cap fund. And, uh, you know, we, we do look at sort of fundamental analysis of, of businesses and um, Unfortunately, we don't do crypto. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right, though, Ron. People can go to tamam.com.au and your performance is right there front and center. And uh, quite frankly, keep knocking that out. And yeah, uh, crypto will be a fad. Wait till Elon Musk jumps on your website. I know he'll be a fan of this program too, uh, Elon. Uh, a big hello to you. Uh, currently, as we go to air, though, unfortunately, the market down another 0.8% at the moment. The XJO actually down a little more, down 0.94%. Um, yeah, just a tough day across the board, but let's get into the big news stories of today. And we started this morning with a quarterly update from the Combank, who announced a 24% rise in cash net profit uh, after tax to some $2.4 billion for the March quarter alone. Now, operating income grew some 2%. That was driven by good volume growth across the board. Um, very slight improvement in net interest margins. Uh, loan impairments were down and tier one capital sits at 12.7. Uh, it's been the premier of the big four, as it were, and th this result, I'm sure, reaffirms its place there. Uh, notwithstanding that, uh, though, and the good update today, the stock is down 0.4%, uh, obviously uh, down with the broader market, but it is doing a little better. Last trading at $94.18. But the other big news story today was car sales, who's acquiring a 49% interest in North American-based auto classifieds business, Trader Interactive for some 797 million Australian dollars. And it's raising 600 million uh, for the acquisition or 15% of its market cap from shareholders. Now this builds on their current Korean and Brazilian exposure and we'll see international revenue for the group make up around 36% um, of all the cash coming in. So Ron, uh, very interested in your view in regards to car sales. Um, we know it's been a hot vehicle aftermarket uh, uh, there and they also make money from the new vehicle sales too. Um, what was your take on this? Is this just this next uh, stage for a transformational acquisition or is this just more of the same? What are, you, what, what are your views, Ron? Yeah, look, um, um, I mean, we don't own car sales, but if you look at their sort of updated FY21 guidance, I think obviously the business has reached maturity in, in its sort of main market, especially in Australia and so on. Uh, you know, they're sort of growing EBITDA at around that sort of high single digit marks. So they need to 
to expand and diversify. So, you know, Trader Interactive, it does put them into that sort of marketplace business in the US for, um, you know, for commercial trucks, recreational vehicles, uh, power sports, equipment industries. Seems like a pretty good business, you know, uh, doing last year, it did $123 million US dollars and about 50% EBITDA margin. So that's pretty good. They are paying a big price, almost yeah. 27 times EBITDA multiple. Um, so, you know, uh, just to give you an idea, if you wanted to buy a snow, snowmobile in the US, then you'll go to Snowmobile Trader. Um, what's interesting is we've noticed on some of the actual websites, we had a quick look, they've got a bit of a, uh, <clears throat> a warning label saying that there's some inventory shortages due to COVID. So maybe that will have a bit of an impact on their sales growth this calendar year. But regardless, it's a, it's a good business. The problem is on a pro forma basis uh, with the debt, you know, they're going to they're going to have 2.3 times um, debt to EBITDA. So that's a bit on the high side, $6 billion EV enterprise value. For, so trading probably on a pro forma 18 times EV to, to EBITDA doesn't seem really appealing to us considering, you know, it's going to be a 5% kind of EPS accretion deal for them. So yeah, I mean, it's fast. It's kind of like a hold. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously hoping for some, uh, not only those magical synergy benefits, but of course, an uptick from current levels, because you mentioned that 26 and a half times EVT, but the um, acquisition price, uh, they're definitely stepping up uh, to play in this space. Uh, but it's a big market, so there we go. Uh, CSR, uh, definitely back to the more boring scale. Well, they delivered a full year net profit of some $146 million, a strong return from its building products division, of course, uh, as was expected, offset the tough aluminium result, which was too also expected. The final dividend will be 14.5 cents, which takes their full year dividend to 23 cents per share. And for an extra bit of sweetness, there's a special 9.5% fully frank dividend coming on the sale of Horsley Park as well. Uh, now, if there's one sector that could do with a bit of luck from the uh, almighty, it's uh, the tech sector at the moment, Ron. One of its previous darlings, Pushpay, reported its full year earnings results showing 100% increase in profit and operating cash flow. Further, they gave us a sense of what their uh, move to the US Catholic sector will mean. Um, and they provided some guidance, uh, more moderate than their uh, recent results of some 13% growth in the next year. Ron, are you a believer? Push pay. It's come under a lot of strain. Um, are the valuation metrics enough to get you excited at the minute? And does today's result change that? Yeah, look, this is one. Um, uh, I mean, it is a good business, uh, very capital light, generates strong cash flows. For those who don't know, it's like a church giving payment app. Um, we used to own it in the past. We, we no longer own it. I think the issue with that business is had a few management changes. The sort of founders have moved on. Yeah. And they haven't been really able to sort of uh, grow the front book of churches, so essentially adding more new churches um, to their client base. So obviously, historical sort of customers, churches have taken up more and more the usage of the app. So that's growing, but they're not really getting sort of new business to, to drive future growth. Um, I think, uh, you know, they guided, as you said, I think midpoint of the guidance is 66 mil uh, US dollar EBITDA. So that's you know, just a little bit over 10% growth. So, you know, it's not growing as fast. Um, it's currently trading on about 19 times EV to EBITDA. So for that kind of growth, we think it's fully priced. Now it doesn't have any debt. And so I think the upside risk is if they do a large acquisition of a profitable business, which using debt, and then therefore it kind of brings down the valuation and makes it look cheap again. 
Um, but in that payment space, we actually prefer EML payments. We think it's a more diversified payments business and it's entered the open banking sector, which is a huge opportunity. And they're going to provide a trading update uh, in the next week or so. So we think it might be quite positive. Excellent. And of course, our viewers of this program would share that positive disposition on EML. Otherwise, uh, you haven't been listening, folks. Uh, investors in defense and space systems firm Electro Optic Systems uh, were happy today to learn that uh, cash expected in the next quarter of some $100 million is on the card. I don't know, Ron, it must have been that little laser beam they drew from the satellite tower there that um, brought, is bringing in all that money. Oh, well, uh, and we had the budget last night. Uh, and other than the massive debt, to be honest with you, it just looked like any other budget with the old uh, tried and true tax uh, infrastructure and childcare thematic uh, being rolled out once again. Um, you know, I suppose it would have been nice if they extended a little bit more beyond the uh, iron ore making us money. Oh, well, I suppose uh, visionary things are for another or past day. Okay, so it's time for us to answer your questions, folks. Remember, we can't take into account your objective situations or needs, uh, so we're only providing our view only. And if you wish to discuss any of this content, you need to talk with someone who is licensed to have that conversation with you. And yes, we hold interest in stocks. We try to disclose that when we talk about them, but in the cut and thrust stock discussion, sometimes we forget. You know where to find us if you want to ask specifically. Ron, we touched on this a little earlier in regards to the online retail sector. Um, and how challenging it's been for a lot of the big names um, out there at the moment. The question comes from Carl, um, who asks, who do you like in the online retail sector space? Uh, one that has been battered down recently. So, uh, Ron, why don't you tell us a few in your stable that you feel um, are now offering uh, more compelling value, given that their prices have retraced a little bit from uh, recent highs? Yeah, we actually don't like any of them. Okay, problem solved. <laughs> so, um, actually... <laughs> Actually, if you look, if you, if you go to our website a week or so ago, we actually wrote about Redbubble and why we bought it last year and why we sold it sort of a few months ago. Um, so that, that will give a good explanation. But look, the, the issue with the online retailers, all the e-commerce plays, is that, you know, obviously last year uh, since COVID lockdowns, you know, they all benefited from consumers um, being locked at home, getting bored, shopping online. And, and, you know, they had a really strong sales up until the end of last year. And the issue is, is that now what we're seeing is they're starting to cycle those strong sales growth from last year. And on top of that, some of them who operate globally, there's a bit of a Forex headwind as well as the Australian dollar mm -hmm. has strengthened as well. So I think there's, um, they, they will struggle to grow sales. In fact, sales will probably be negative over the next kind of six months at least. And on top of that, in order to, to maintain that top line growth, they need to be more competitive, more discounts. And so margins are coming down and obviously the profitability is coming down. So they're in a kind of a downgrade cycle and nobody wants to own a stock that's in a downgrade cycle. So to us, they're all avoids at the moment. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, they've all come down kind of 50% from their highs, but I just don't think there's any need to be there. On the flip side, uh, I think a lot of the brick and mortar retailers that kind of suffered from their stores being shut down and people locked down at home last year, they're going to be cycling really easy uh, kind of sales numbers in the next six months. And so they're going to do really well. And we really like Dusk Australasia. So they got about 110 stores selling, you know, uh, candles and uh, diffusers and so on. They're expanding to New Zealand and maybe overseas. They're super cheap, double digit yield. And I think they're going to print some big numbers um, in the next six months. So that's that's kind of like our preference. 
There you go, Carl. And yeah, go to the website there, particularly that uh, comment that Ron mentioned about margin compression uh, with regards to the competitive market and what that's doing in the space. And that was a common thematic in their latest uh, quarterly uh, sales reports from all the online retailers. But yes, I do encourage you to go to tamam.com.au. The next question uh, wins the uh, trophy for being the most popular stocker today in regards to questions. So we've got Steve and Jaden who's asked about this company, Spirit Telecom Solutions, code ST1 for those playing along at home. Uh, with regards to uh, Steve, he wants to know whether the integration of Next uh, Gate, what that's going to mean for profit next year. Uh, and then with regards to Jaden, he's just wanting to know how it's going to do over the next week. Well, of course, who knows in that regard, but I dare suggest there could be a big update coming soon, Ron. So what's your view, updated view in regards to ST1? I'm just checking my crystal ball over there for next week's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, look, I think um, look, uh, it, it's not next day, next gate. It's next gen. So they acquired a telco business called Next Gen, and really, obviously, it was their kind of biggest acquisition to date. It adds a significant profitability of about seven and a half mil of EBITDA. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing that was really positive is it doubles the number of sort of small business customers from five thousand to ten thousand, which they can cross sell other services and it brings about a hundred salespeople to the group and now they've got you know a really strong sales organization and I think this update uh, next week is going to obviously give a trading update for the first four months of this calendar year which I think will be good they're going to show some good uh, large customer wins uh, some organic growth and they're going to talk about the integration and I think one thing that sort of um, maybe investors are missing is that unlike many kind of aggressive uh, acquisitive companies, they're actually really integrating these businesses. It's going to be one complete sort of business with sort of one, you know, single systems and so on. And I think it will be quite attractive for an acquirer down the line to acquire them because, you know, they, they'll be buying one business, then just a selection of sort of uh, unintegrated businesses like the likes of Focus and that in the past. So, look, I, I think it's good. I think the only issue is they raised money for the last acquisition and there was an expectation that they won't need to. So they kind of taken out any of the sort of on-market uh, demand for the shares. Uh, but, you know, it's probably trading, it's, it's probably run rating 20 mil of EBITDA run rate. Uh, so it's trading on maybe 12 times EBITDA multiple. So, you know, it's not cheap, it's not expensive, it's okay. And I think, I mean, we own it. And I think if you have patience, uh, you know, they'll do more acquisitions and they'll get bigger. And we're really backing uh, the CEO here. And I, I think it's a, it's one that we like and I think it's a buy. Yeah, and if they can get that network effect going, then obviously that's when um, the uh, everything comes to roost. Um, Craig has gone Game of Thrones in regards to this one, uh, Ron. He wants to know about Newix, uh, good old uh, NXL. And he's just saying, do we need new management? Um, so is it off with their heads or do we have patience? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I think it's too soon to call for management to grow. I mean, look, they've committed the cardinal sin of listing on the SX, and that's basically missing perspective <laughs> their forecast. So um, that's pretty bad. Uh, to give him credit, I think the CEO actually bought like half a million dollars worth of uh, worth of shares, you know, um, before this recent downgrade. So I don't know whether he's kind of like taking one for for all shareholders, or maybe mm -hmm. it's showing uh, something not very positive about him, but. Um, you know, I think, look, the issue is they, their customers, there's two things. One, they're shifting from a sort of buying the subscription module-based uh, services to more consumption-based ones. 
So their actual sort of uh, contracted revenue has come down materially. I think it was grant, uh, annual recurring revenue was uh, downgraded from 200 mil to 168 million dollars. And also they're struggling to upsell other modules to some customers. They're just not using it maybe as much. Uh, so that's not a great thing as well. Um, you know, it's trading on an EV to EBITDA about 15 times. So, um, you know, I think um, it's, it's not a huge multiple, but for a stock that's really disappointed so far, uh, I think it's, uh, it's one that you don't really need to own at the moment. There's a loss of trust in the business. Uh, they need to show signs of growth. We're probably not going to see that until August anyway. Um, and, you know, the, the whole tech sector is being sort of sold off, so there's no need to be there. But in saying that, you know, around $2.50, $2.80, I think you know it's it's sort of not a bad buy if you really like this business. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much for those uh, particular levels there, Ron. I'm sure they've been noted by Craig. Um, Craig, another one I think has asked in regards to well, another sector that's been absolutely belted has been the buy now, pay later space. And these guys have fallen heavily from their previous peak of four seventy to where they are now, dollar seventy odd, I think it is. The company he's asking about is OpenPay. The code is OPY for those playing along at home. Craig is taking a bit more, if it is the same one, a bit more of a positive disposition on this one, wondering whether that uh, at these levels is the stock attractive given their recent quarterly showed some nice growth. What's your view in regards to OpenPay, Ron? Yeah, look, OpenPay, buy now, pay later, Australia, UK, I think they're entering the US. Um, they recently raised money at $2.06. Um, and I think the stock is trading at $1.70 or so. So, um, you know, I think the sector has lost momentum. You know, mm. valuations were essentially based on a revenue multiple that was benchmarked to the market leader, which was Afterpay. Now, the problem is, is that Afterpay is now down 45% in the last few months. And so arguably, you know, OpenPay is, is worth half of whatever it was, you know, before this. So I think before it was, it got to $4.50, uh, and now, you know, arguably it's maybe worth, you know, $2.50. Um, you know, it is getting more competitive uh, out there. You know, we've seen PayPal and we've seen other players. You know, growth rates, look, I mean, if you take a very long-term view, I think Buy Now, Pay Later has got a huge runway of growth. It's replacing traditional credit cards for a younger generation. So that's not going to stop. But I think the valuations, and because this was a momentum sort of sector thematic, if the market leader like Afterpay is losing momentum, everyone else gets hit. So I wouldn't, I would, I would, you know, we don't own the sector. We've avoided it. We sold a while ago and I would, I would avoid it for now. And, but in saying that we might start seeing some consolidation between the various players in the next 12 months, uh, but it's not one that we own. Okay. Thank you very much for that insight. It's time for our little education update, Ron. And, you know, one of the uh, terms I wrote when you were appearing on the show, I said your expertise is in small industrials that are actually generating cash. Now, <laughs> the role of cash and uh, its place in analysis is, uh, you know, well known amongst us uh, internal guys in regards to how we look at things. Um, you know, market tends to focus on, and even I am guilty of it, talking about profit figures and and all the like. But in essence, if you really want to know how a company is doing, it is looking at the cash flow statement. So for today's little education piece, Ron, if you wouldn't mind just telling investors why cash is so important, other than the obvious reason, of course, and uh, how you go about looking at the cash statement. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, profits can be easily manipulated in a PL, but, you know, cash flows, you, you can't fake it. And it's kind of like profit on a, on a truth serum. 
so to speak. Um, so smaller companies or companies that are recently listed, not profitable yet, quarter provide a, a quarterly update and, and or a 4C statement. And essentially they give investors an update on, you know, the revenues for the quarter, um, you know, the contracts that they've won and so on. And then they provide a, a, a cash flow statement for that quarter. And we can see sort of the cash receipts that have come in. And a good check is to check cash receipts against the revenues for the quarter and whether they're matching. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, there is the operating cash flow line. So obviously, if your uh, cash receipts are, are bigger than your cash outflows, uh, you should have a positive operating cash flow, which is ideally what we're looking for as investors. Uh, but in most instances, you know, it is negative. So it's something to watch, um, you know, and then watch for those little things like, um, one-off uh, boosts like R&D grants that can sort of amplify your uh, cash flow uh, so you know and, and are not really part of your day-to-day -day business and then below that we've got the investing cash flow uh, line which is really important basically that's how companies can make their profits and, and operating cash flow look better than it is by capitalizing expenses such as capex or software development so keep an eye out for that one and uh, I guess what's left over you know, uh, beyond that is, um, you know, uh, if you're operating cash flow minus that is positive, well, then that's good. But if it's negative and it's burning cash, then you want to see how much uh, cash it's burning per quarter and how many, uh, what's the cash balance left and how many uh, quarters of cash burn is left in the business. And then if you keep going, if you scroll lower in that Appendix 4C, it also shows you their total debt facilities if they have and how much have been utilized, which is really important as well. So ideally, look for businesses that are about to turn or turn positive operating cash flow and generating free cash flow. And then look for businesses that are scaling and growing really fast. So you want quarter on quarter increase and a substantial increase in their cash receipts and revenue. That, that's what we look for. Exactly right. And then uh, if you want to know when they're likely to raise capital and how close they'll run to the wire with cash, look at the share price. That'll often <laughs> tell you how they're going to go in regards to that. Um, look, Ron, just quickly, because we're close to the end of the show, um, I will fit in one of our great uh, regular spotty contribution, uh, contributors, sorry, Sagi, who's asked about 360, um, who make that little 360 life uh, app that they have. Do you have an update in regards to uh, 360, Ron, and what's your view on the business? Yeah, we actually uh, like this one. I mean, we are in a very tiny position here. Um, not many people know about this one, Life360. It's a US-based technology business. They provide an app for, for families, helps them locate each other and drive safely and call for help if there's, a, if there's an issue. They've got 28 million users globally, mostly in the US. They're on track for this year of about $120 million of revenues, US dollars. Um, now, they're trying to increase the monetization of that member base with all kinds of different premium plans. And they're actually a beneficiary of, you know, restrictions easing and borders reopening, especially in the US with the vaccinations going really well, things are come, going back to normal. I think we might see some user growth accelerate as people actually get about and use this. And they're also targeting acquisitions. And they did mention that they might do a US listing for the company through a, a SPAC vehicle. Uh, later this year. So that could be a big catalyst. And the sister of Mark Zuckerberg uh, is on the board. Uh, so, you know, if it's good enough for Mark Zuckerberg's sisters, then it's good enough for us. 
There you go. And I've got to admit, I, say, I share that positive disposition uh, to uh, Saggy. I got in at $4, so I didn't get in at the bottom. But it's, um, yes, I've also taken a position in the firm and hold. Ron, I will ask you about those two stocks to uh, shine the light on in a moment. But before I do, I need to get to a question I haven't answered yet from Neil, who asked uh, some time ago in regards to Westar, code WSR little gold miner. Well, uh, my view in regards to this business, uh, Neil, quite simply, to keep it short, Carl Jupp, who runs this business, sweats, dusts, and bleeds gold. Uh, basically, he's a very shrewd operator. He knows this space like the back of his hand. They've made two smart acquisitions recently, Carbine Boar and uh, Birigrin, uh, both uh, consolidating their place in the Gidji South region in WA. There's also the chance of a high-grade discovery at Kularu. So there's another potential benefit there. It's got a pretty low enterprise value, actually, of around $7 million. Uh, market cap sits around 12. Uh, there is the risk, of course, that you are backing the team, uh, notwithstanding Carl's great pedigree, that could risk. And you are backing the drill bit. Uh, and there has to be a bit of push pay inspired luck, I suppose, to hit those high grades that everyone's looking for. But yes, um, it's one uh, I'm comfortable with. I know uh, Mr. Lacantro is also comfortable with WSR. I think he actually helped raise capital for the business. Um, but yes, this is a case of backing the jockey and seems to have made some shrewd acquisitions recently. All right then, Ron, so it's time for you to shine the light on two stocks that we're going to sit there and listen attentively to. And then we're going to do, uh, well, toddle off and do our own research and then see whether the stocks align with our own investment objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. So what companies do you want to bring to the table today, Ron? Yeah, so the first one uh, is Evolve Education. It's a childcare operator. Now, we had a look at the Medicare benefits data over the last nine months, and there's a big increase in the number of pregnancy scans. So that means that, um, you know, people were staying at home last year and, you know, making babies. And um, so there's been a 10% month-on-month growth in that sort of uh, uh, pregnancy scans. So that means that we're going to have a lot of babies being born over the next six months. And usually six months after they're born, uh, they, they start childcare. So we'll see that benefit uh, next calendar year. And then, um, you know, we've seen a lot of childcare centers. So not uh, the supply growth of childcare centers haven't, hasn't kept up. So only 87 net centers have opened this year compared to 133 last year. So that's good. And the federal budget today, so $1.7 billion to help lower income families. So essentially, if they work an extra one or two days, the second child is pretty much all covered in terms of their fees. So I think that's going to be a good, uh, so lots of tailwinds for this childcare sector. Now we had Think Education just being taken over. Uh, G8 Education, which is the largest player, uh, you know, they got issues at their vesting centers. So that's not something yeah, we like. Stretch. Evolve is a big player in New Zealand. And now half their business is in Australia. So they've got 20 centers. They should do about $35 million of EBITDA next calendar year. Uh, the, the, the management team are the guys who kind of, you know, uh, brought together G8 in the, in the early years of growth. So we like that. And I think uh, it's quite cheap and uh, it's worth about $1.80. So we like that one. Okay, then, uh, Dr. Ron, of course, uh, moving from crypto to obstetrics, what would be the next uh, company that you want to shine the light on? So the other one is uh, playing on that, again, sort of reopening trade um, and hopefully international travel, Ozforex. Um, so, uh, you know, the international payments platform that allows consumers and businesses um, to make payments and currency exchange around the world. Now, half the business is in Australia and, the, and it competes sort of against the banks. And then the rest is focused on the US and Europe, which is going to, you know, which can actually go overseas, people over there. Now, they process $25 billion a year in transactions. So this is a big business. 
They're going to generate about 130 mil of revenue and 35 mil of EBITDA this year. Now, um, they're trading on a really attractive valuation, nine times EV to, to EBITDA. They even pay a DV, they cashed up. And now they're going to benefit from that consumer demand to exchange money for travel. And then there's a, an emergence of these online sellers on global marketplaces like eBay, Amazon, and so on. And they require constant currency exchange um, you know, to buy inventory and then convert the, you know, the, their sales and, and so on. So OzForex, uh, OFX, sorry, is, is targeting that. And their actual results is at the end of this month. And I think the market might react really positively to it. And I think the second half is going to show some growth. And um, yeah, we, we think it's worth another sort of 30% upside from here. So that, that's one that we like. Oh, no, good old Ozforex, uh, of course, uh, has had its issues in the past, but a bit of a turnaround story. Uh, you got that uh, right uh, with regards to why select Ozforex might be the same. Well, that's all we have time for today, everyone. So on behalf of all of you, I want to thank Ron Shamgar from Tamam Asset Management for your contribution today. Thank you as always. Thanks, Elio. And remember the website, tamam.com.au, to learn about Ron's performance and how he may be able to assist you on your investing journey. Well, that's all we have time for this week. You can go to the website, spotty.com.au, to watch past episodes of the show and see who's coming up next week. Uh, also, follow us on social channels to keep abreast of our thoughts at all times. Uh, don't forget our premium consulting services, of course. We're coming to a close uh, with regards to that. We're uh, almost full, so uh, we've, we've reached capacity. So if you want to be in, you've got to be quick. Thanks again to Ticker News uh, and Mike and Rick for helping us uh, on the show. And until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching the new Spotty, and together we've been showing the spotlight on shares.